Welcome to The Truth in the Sark. Beyond, we're back in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And I'm your host, Rob Lee. Today, I am thrilled to be in conversation with my next guest, a sculptor based out of Philadelphia um, who holds a bachelor's in religious studies from Grinnell College and an MFA in sculpture from MICA in Baltimore. Please welcome Alex Schechter. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for making the time. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little uh, I'm a little jealous of the denim right now, you know. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, repping, repping the whole cowboy thing, I guess. But. Well, you know. So as I as I get started here, I want to do sort of the the introductory question before we get into like the main topic about your work and your your creative background. But, you know, tell us a little bit about like you, like your background and ultimately you know, what were one of those, like, you know, that first sort of uh, art making or first experience around art, whether it's appreciating it, making it. So, you know, you, you, your background and like that first experience where you're like, hey, art, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, I think that they're like kind of my, like my story is kind of tied in with that. So I grew up, um, I'm the first person on, on a record to be born in the town of Moose, Wyoming. Uh, which is, uh, you know, a tiny town, I think like 400, 500 people um, in northwestern Wyoming. I was at like a home birth. Um, and uh, yeah, so I grew up in uh, in northwestern Wyoming and um, always uh, was always a drawer. Um, really uh, grew up in, in uh, a community that was kind of transitioning out of being an agricultural community into being really a tourism community. Uh, my mom raises horses. Um, uh, grew up in a you know, uh, single, single parent household. Um, my mom was always a, always loved drawing. And so I would always, it was like a family activity. My brother, my mom and I would always sit together and draw. My mom was really beautiful journals. Um, but uh, I never really saw it as like a, like a career path or anything. Um, I didn't really think I was going to go to college. Uh, had a guidance counselor who kind of at last was like, you know, you should like, I didn't, you know, wasn't a good student, but I tested well. So I was like, you know, you got, you got a good enough scores. You should apply to apply to college or whatever. Um, and I got in um, to a really small school in Iowa. that was like very like, academically rigorous. Uh, I went in and so I have a, I have a, degree in religious studies kind of nonsensically but um i ended up uh, i ended up like just taking on a whim a sculpture class in in college um and really fell in love with it had a great professor who was really encouraging and really um kind of a, a big believer of like oh yeah no you're you're an artist now like you you're put, making you're making stuff you're putting it together you're an artist and that really kind of carried me. And so it was one of those things that uh, I finished. I, I actually applied for grad school, not in art. Uh, I took a year off. And in that time, I was like, you know, I really have no desire to go on and get a PhD, but I still make an art. I'm still like staying up late at night, like on the side um, and just making, making stuff. Uh, and so... I didn't know if there was like really one particular moment, but it was like, yeah, I'm staying up until two in the morning most nights, just like t like cutting up cardboard in my in my bedroom, um, and and I so and then I ended up applying for grad school and and got in and um, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. Thank you. 
Thank you. Um, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to tap back into some of that stuff, obviously, but definitely for sure, for sure. a good start for an overview. Um, so, you know, I, I see sculpture. I, I see see that as the the background. So, could you describe your your current work for those who are undipped? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll talk about the work that I'm making right now. Um, I'm making work uh, in preparation for for a solo show coming up. Um, and I've been doing my, a lot of my background is in, uh, woodworking. Uh, my stepfather's a cabinet maker. Uh, and so, uh, I've been since kind of a teenager working in the wood shop. Um, so right now I'm doing, uh, a combination of like wood carving, like very traditional carved wood material. And then like a lot of, um, material transformation. So I'm making, uh, some pretty, like I'm making a, like a six foot by eight foot uh it's basically a map of the of the continent pangea which is the previous um the like the ur continent when all the, the continents were squished together mm-hmm. uh, but i figured out a way to chrome plywood so it's uh it's plywood and it's through using a um, like a process that they use to to like make basically like hot rod cars uh you can chrome it so you can actually get a mirror polish reflection on it Nice. Um, but yeah, a lot of my work is, is again, based in, in woodworking. I'm very much like an object maker, like a, a make things like physical things. Um, I always joke to my students that like painters have it really easy. There's this material that is paint. There's no material that is sculpt. And so as a sculptor, you, got, you have like a million different things that you could be doing. So, so woodworking is like kind of my go-to. It's just like, the, like, well, I need to make something fast. I can make it out of wood. That's easy for yeah. me, but I'm always trying to like push, what the things that I can do with that and bring in other materials. Um, I think my other like shtick, if you want, if you will, is uh, I really like having um, found objects that look like that they were made by me and then making objects that to look like that they were found objects. So I, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So I'll, I'll do a lot of like, uh, I've been like casting things to make them look like they're plants like uh, house, I use a lot of house plants in my work, and sometimes they are cast objects, and sometimes they are actual house plants, and I like kind of that that slippage between the two. So, I dig that. Thank you. Yeah. So you you, you touched on it a little bit earlier, the uh, re- religious studies uh, degrees. So so talk about like having like both of those like educational backgrounds, and maybe maybe it's the thinking, maybe it's like references, but how do they like serve each other? Where do they sort of intersect if they intersect at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for a long time, I would have said that they don't, right? That the, the religious studies was like kind of this wasted youth. And I, I think in the last couple of years, it's really turned around. And I realized that it's like, it's a big kind of lens for the way that I, I think about um, the world. I'm not a particularly religious person, um, but I, I think for I, I, like one of the things that they we, like you talk about in religious studies um, is is the big three C's. So that's um, community, like who is in a group, uh, cultus, which is like what are the what are the thing what are the rituals or the like ways that you use to organize some sort of situation or, or practices or uh, it's like, what do you do in that? And then cosmology, which is like, how do you, how do you describe the world that you're with, that you're in? Right. Um, and I think those are really huge for me in thinking about ways that I'm making artwork. 
Um, I think a lot of my, my work is is kind of reflecting and playing with those those big three. I, I, I talk about it a lot, but like um, I'm really interested in in like the ways that I mean I'm American. We're in America. That we, that we talk about as Americans, like though the way it's like kind of the way that we describe ourselves and kind of our national origin stories and the way that we we kind of put those together uh because they are like for i mean for a lot of human history like that's pretty inseparable from religion right like kind of this idea of of national identity and and all of that and religion are like to it's there's not even an idea of separating them right um but we we have like secularized that and we have pulled those apart um but i think we still do a lot of that with national identity um, that we describe in groups and out groups that we describe, like, uh, like, what do we do as like, who are we as Americans, uh, in broader and then really tight groups. Right. Uh, and then, and then like cosmology of like, how do we orient the world? Like who's good, who is bad? Uh, what is in, what is out? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Uh, and so I think a lot of my work is trying to is trying to take those big ideas and kind of cram them into into these moments of kind of like small poetic moments that that complicate all of those. I'd say like, oh, what what is that origin story actually saying, or like, what is it that we're actually that we're actually upholding, or and so yeah, I think I'm I'm really interested in in playing with those a lot. Um, I also really like ritual as like ways that we go about doing things. Um, I think that it's a lot of my work plays around with that. Like, well, how did we get to this point? And what are the things that we, how did we like actually stumble upon this? And, and what are we doing again and again and again? So thank you. Thank you, actually. Um, so in, talk about um, some of the the advantages and maybe some of the challenges in working with like various like mediums. You, you've touched on like you know f- almost first and foremost, it's like I'm at, I got the wood. You know, I'm here with the wood. You know? <laughs> and then kind of like going from there and implementing whether it be other objects and, and kind of taking a cue from sort of like plants and stuff you were you were re- referencing earlier. What are some of the advantages of, of working across like like mediums and and, and, and like sort of uh, the, the 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 parts that make up your work? And what are some of the, the disadvantages? Because I'm I'm seeing like video and animation, I'm seeing found objects, uh, digital fabrication, in addition to the woodworking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I, I mean, the thing that I I'm, I'm going to probably talk about teaching a lot because it's. And it's what I, it's my, my day job. Um, but it's, uh, it's also, I think, really important in my practice. And one of the things I'm always trying to talk to my students about is like, what can working in a medium let you do that other things can't? Uh, and I think that there are lots of, like, I, I work in a bunch of different media because they all let me do different things. Yeah. There's things that I can't do without I mean, maybe I could, I just don't have the skill to do without digital fabrication, right? Like that there's, there's certain types of casting processes or carving processes or 3d printing that I can't do without kind of computer aided material. Um, for a long time I was working with AI and making AI films. And then, you know, six months ago, like AI really blew up and I was like, Oh man, like (laughs) this, like I was like, well, I, I was really interested in kind of, where AI was bad and like wasn't working super well and kind of that like 
that kind of almost like uncanny place where it was like, oh, what's like, I don't know. The, I think the most interesting thing happening with AI right now is like the places where like people's hands in AI images are really messed up. Like you can, you can see that like that, is, there's something wrong and there's like this gut visceral reaction. That's way more exciting to me than like, can I copy an image or can I really rapidly generate something? Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I, I, it's almost been disappointing that the, that AI has taken um, uh, up a lot of this space of like, oh, can they just generate images? Because I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I've gone on a side <laughs> sidetrack about AI work, but, but I, I think it gets back to media of like, what is it like? People are really creative. People can do a lot, yeah. and that working in different media, like there's things that video allows you to do that I can't really do with a stationary object, right? Stationary objects are not very, like, woodworking is really hard to tell a longer narrative with. Um, I can do that with working in video. I can do that in doing per, kind of more performative work. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can, I can like do stuff with mate with projects that use houseplants and like microcontrollers that I can't do with casting processes or that I can't do with film or animation. Uh, and so I guess I'm always interested in getting to sort of the idea or the poetic moment first. And then like, what is the thing that's going to allow me to do that? Yeah. Um, I think like the reverse of that is that like, sometimes I'm just playing, I like to play and like one of my kind of like new year's resolutions was like allow myself play in the studio more just like put stuff together and see what what comes out because that, I think that space of play is really helpful of like oh i'm discovering that i can do this with this material um so i think the combination of those figuring out play to let it to let it like discover what is possible and then being like oh how do i use that that thing that is now possible to tell a different, tell a different story. No, I, I like that. I, I think like, because it, it has me thinking. So, so thank you, teacher, uh, <laughs> with this, this sort of notion of if what I might deem what I'm doing here is, um, it may be journalism, it may be storytelling or what have you. Like I got to a point where I started to shy away from the idea of, I'm a podcaster. This is a podcast because it gets deprecated. You know, people have deemed it to be something that's not valid in a certain way. It's it's content versus there's um, a creative intent or creative like sort of sort of goal there. But in it, if I said and I won't because I don't really like video per se, but I could do that same thing through video. I could do that same thing through text. I can do the same thing, but I choose to do it through audio. I prefer audio. I can do the same thing through, let's say, a narrative film, perhaps even a play. You know, it can extend into to all of these different areas and just really being able to incorporate play in there. And I, and I like that, that you said that. I think play is is so important. And I think sometimes in doing I don't I don't know if you're, you're a sports guy, but, you know, it's like when someone has been had too many fights, been in a ring too many, too many rounds. Sure. Sometimes it's that vibe when you do like a few too many interviews and you start losing the fun piece that's in there. And it's like, yeah. how can I make this play again? How can I add this like degree of difficulty in there? Which, you know, I, I've been c comparing like the process of learning something new or trying something new or even getting back to something that you had very similar to when you go to the gym. 
It's going to suck yeah. to start. Yeah. And when you when you get back to it or have you, but ultimately those are rewards there at the end of that. You're going to you're going to get there. And that's the way that I start kind of, kind of looking at things. But really, it's let's get back to play. Yeah. Let, let's get let's get back to play because I think it opens something up that you may have missed along the way. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah I can stretch the boundaries of this. This is going to make me a better woodworker. This is going to make me a better podcaster. Do you, do you feel like you can do that within within that like this format? Do you like do you, have you found a place so you can return to play within that? Um, there, there are pieces of it where I, I think it turns on the problem solving button is what's turned on. Or yeah. even if I just like go into like, like I sent you the questions obviously beforehand, right, right? Right. but let's say if I have like, I got two questions, but I'm trying to get like a 35 minute, 40 minute interview <laughs> out of it. I'm yeah. going to be like kind of free jazz. I'll be improvising the entire time, yeah. which, you know, kind of connects to something that I used to do a lot. Like, a podcast that I, I used to do was almost 100% improv. We'd have like certain stories that we would look at, but really we're coming up with jokes off the top of our head. And it's like, this just felt like pure fun. It just felt like just us playing, but really the output at the end of the day is this sort of um, creative contribution. Yeah. I, I mean, I think about that a lot too with like, I think in my like, most cynical or kind of darkest hours i think of myself as a little bit of a dilettante right like i'm just like I'm jumping between all of these things and i mean what you were saying about jazz i think is i'm sometimes a little bit jealous of that people who are just like so comfortable within their medium that they're just like I'm, i have complete freedom and i just like i can just play endlessly in this space um and like i i fully i have some skills in doing things but I, i'm also I think sometimes it's good that I'm, I'm really curious. I'm always wanting to expand and try new things and stuff, but, but sometimes I'm just like, man, you like my, um, I have friends who are, who are just like incredible like metal workers and they're just like, so, they're just like, Oh yeah. Anything I can just do that. because like, and then I can play around with them. It's like, oh, wow. All right. That is, that is incredible. Hey, and I, I think it's, I think part of it is like sort of like the curiosity thing of, you know, I asked this, th- asked this question, like what drives a lot of the work or the thinking behind the work? Is it passion? Is it curiosity? Is it a mixture of both, you know? And it's, you know, it may have, for me, I think it may have started off as purely like passion. I'm very passionate about people having their voices heard and sharing yeah. their stories and giving the space to share their stories. And then it starts to shift a little bit into curiosity of, how do you make that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it kind of goes back or how far can I do this? How many episodes can I do? When will I get tired? Will I get tired of sort of even pursuing this? So when you start looking at like your work or anything that you're pursuing, because it seems like you're you're always kind of tinkering. It feel, feels like tinkering is the part of what you do. Um, do what, what drives it? Is it is it the passion? Is it sort of curiosity on what the limits might be, what the parameters might be, the boundaries? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's uh, what is driving me. It's it's two things. It's I'm a curious person. I'm always like, I, I mean, the again, the downside of it is that I'm an I'm a overthinker, but I'm always interested in things, and I always like want to be like, well, what's this like? What's this thing? What's this thing like? Doing doing more research or reading about things or seeing a film almost oh what i want to learn all about this uh and i think that for me um 
making art is is the way that I can I can synthesize that in in new ways, and that I can kind of add to that conversation. Um, I think one of the really exciting things about art and what I try to do with my work is is kind of I'm, I mean I think basically like I'm just making metaphors, right? I'm just saying like, well, what if this thing is this thing? And there's like a spark that happens within that, right? That like when when you're like, I mean, I mean, like the very like easy example is like when we take a thing and we transform it into a different material. There's something like in like the human brain that's just like, oh, now I think about that completely differently. When I take a a marble statue and I and I create it like re remake it in in resin and in wood like there's this shift that happens in there when i take a house plant and hook it up to microcontrollers and have it like activating a- activating lights based on its like its internal biorhythms like that is a different thing that is happening and all of a sudden sudden like there's there's something that happens where i have a different understanding of that yeah and so for me it's it's uh i mean like the the kind of most pure example is just like going on a walk with a friend and seeing something weird and like pointing at it being like look that's unexpected right uh and i think that like (laughs) basically my my artistic practice is is just getting a wider audience that i can point at a weird thing that's happening (laughs) like oh check this out did you see this but it, but that that brings me to and I, and I like I like the weird stuff that, that brings me to this this question and see now I'm just improvising by the way but it brings me to the, this question that I'm very 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 curious about on like it, as a as a fellow overthinker and, and generating <laughs> as being an ID, ideator right like what sort of like it's like what sort of practices and I'll give you an example what what sort of practices do you engage in to kind of help you rein it in or kind of help you like kind of stretch using the exercise analogy yet again um i've heard of the the 30 circles i i do one myself um so the 30 circles is you know you have the the paper and then you get like 30 circles and it's like you got three minutes draw what you can draw in there and it kind of it's, it's the brainstorming thing and one of the things i like to do is I'll see, let's say I'm in a room and I'll see, I'll look for a word that really sticks out and I'll try to see how many words I can come with, come from, come, come out, come out of that, the larger word. Like, how can I unscramble that? How many words can I get out of it? And it helps like kind of open up my, my thinking. It takes out any of these parameters that I might have, you know, that can block it can block that creative flow. Do, do you have any practices that you engage in when you're just getting started or even engaging in the process? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think of anything as like as specific or as disciplined for, as that, but, uh, I mean, I have a very clear answer, which is that as keeping a sketchbook, um, I have, I think I have all of my sketchbooks from age like eight and 34. So from age eight to 34, with the exception of three, one, I left in the parking lot of a Walmart in Araby outside of New Orleans. Uh, and then two, I got mugged outside of my house and they stole my backpack. I got everything else back except like I got my wallet back. I got my phone back. I didn't get a library book back and I didn't get my sketchbooks back. Um, which was like on some level, like on a, like a insurance wise, an absolute like zero cost thing. And it was a personal thing, like devastating. Um, that's an aside, but I'm a, I'm a big sketchbooker. 
Um, I'm constantly drawing. I'm taking notes before I, I mean, eons before I I start on a sculptural, uh, anything sculptural, I've, I've done 30 different drawings of it. Um, and it's, some of them are very, are really rendered so much more, much more illustrative. Uh, some are, are just lists and notes and, um, but that's really, really important to me. And that's a place where I can like figure out a lot of those things, uh, and kind of, and kind of, you know, go through iterations and chew through things. And, and it's the place where when I am feeling stuck for ideas, I have, um, I have, you know, two decades of sketchbooks that I can go back through and, and mine for things. And, um, yeah, those are, that's a really, really important practice, um, for, for lack of a better word, that, that is, that is the way of doing it. And then like, Recently, I've I've been actually just trying to have finished drawings more because it is work that um, I don't know. I don't know that I'll. I have no real plans of showing them, or I don't know where they exist really. But they're really a good way of again, kind of working through ideas and sort of quieting my mind of letting my myself kind of be like, oh, okay, this is this is getting a thing without without being kind of as ever expansive as I want to do. It's, you know, I'm confined to just a piece of paper or confined to just a piece of paper. So I think that that is sometimes helpful for just making me like, okay, I'm doing one thing right now and it is limited to nine inches by 12 inches or what have you. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, having sort of those, those boundaries that are there and, you know, I always talk about sort of this, this, this digital analog thing where, you know, I think like I have, I have my notepad right here. I have like different things. Mm-hmm. And I I think I had to come to this, this conclusion at one point, you know, people will pull out the notes app and they would just type uh-huh. idea. You're, you're leaving stuff. You're leaving, yeah. stuff, you know, where, cause you, that's the more polished idea because it's like, Oh, let me, I'd rather have the typos in there. Yeah. I, I think when I find one of my old sketchbook and also screw those book bandits from earlier, um, <laughs> but when I find like an old sketchbook or something that I had notes on, usually it's when you have sort of, what is it? These, these um, high focus tasks and low focus tasks. So, you know, also obviously having a day job as well. I'm like, I'm in a meeting time to create stuff, time to draw. Yeah. And I'll, I'll see, so I'll draw like, it's always me drawing like a face. And I don't know what the face represents or whatever, but it's me drawing a face. And I'll just like start jotting down. That's almost the activator. I'll start jotting down different little ideas. I'm like, okay, that could be a podcast. Maybe that's a 10-part series. Maybe I should take this angle. Maybe I should name it this and all of these different things. And then when I come back to it, I I like hiding it. I like finding it later. And it's like, oh, right, I did work on that. You know what? I should do that podcast. And it may not even happen, but at least it jogs me out of when I run into an instance of creative, like a lack of creative confidence or, or whatever the thing might be, you know, I think seeing it's like, yeah. Oh, it still does work. I did do this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's also this, I think that the sketchbook is a really freeing space too. Of, you know, I, there's, the, there's this ecosystem that we have of like, of social media where there's this constant, like for, again, creating content. Mm-hmm. Which I actually like. I think that there's a lot of benefits of Instagram. I think that there's a lot of ways that like Instagram like 
really has like democratized art in a, in a pretty interesting way. Like, oh yeah. Like I'm scrolling through something and I see Beyonce and then I see my friend's dog and then I see someone else's sketch. I think like, that's actually really cool. Sure. Um, yeah. But I don't, I don't really post from my sketchbook that often because it's, it's just a place where I don't have to worry about other things being seen. And I can really just like, yeah, make, make doodles of faces that I'm not worried about. Like, I'm going to think this is good or someone not like, and it, it's a way of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this is a zero like post, but it's okay. Cause it's just for me. Right. Or maybe a one like post. Sometimes I like what I make. I like and save. <laughs> yeah. So obviously I, 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 at least this is what I, this is what I believe. Um, I think whenever we engage in something and you were talking like, you know, having this sort of two decade repository to a decade plus, you know, repository of like just ideas, thoughts, and whether it's in sketchbooks and so on, I, it's, it's definitely connected to who you are and it shows sort of the matriculation, right? Um, who you were maybe at this age to this age and so on. Ultimately, what what does your your work say about Alex the person? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in that kind of that differentiation between between the personal and the and the artistic. I'm really interested in people who have like an artistic persona. Like I, I know some people who are like I have this identity that is the art person and then that's different from you know who i am in my daily life yeah. uh, i'm sometimes a little jealous of that because like oh that just seems so clear and then like i can just be stating things there's i think in the work that i make it's i mean there's definitely a lens that it's filter and filtering through it uh and some of that lens is just time and editing as I was kind of mentioning before, like the work that I make is very much a way of me processing the world. And it's very much a, a filtering of what am I interested in right now? What am I, what do I find as aspirational? Um, I'm really interested in, in kind of ideas of, of utopia. Um, and like, not that I, I think that utopia is like, for, like even like an attainable idea, but I'm, I'm, I think that my my core of my like, rotten little soul, like the, my my wrinkled black little heart, is still this kind of spark of like I really want to be aspirational towards things. Um, and I think that my my work is, even when it's critical of things, it's still it's still pointing towards you know this idea of better things are possible, or more interesting things are possible, or more empathy is possible. Um, and so. I, I think that is the space of when you're talking about like, what is, what does it say about me? I'm, I am ultimately, I'm ultimately a fairly hopeful person despite everything, you know? And, uh, and I think that that's where, where when my work is at its best is that it is pretty, is pretty hopeful. Even if that hope is just like, let's, let's be empathetic. And let's, let's have, um, let's have ways that we, that we are, are, are more like that we are, you know, kind of more feeling towards, towards each other, um, or more understanding of each other. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I try to think about 
like I try to try to think about like this podcast in a way where I'm constantly framing between because it's always you never get the full definitive this is the all-encompassing interview of all time for sure there's sure. no way it could be that right and i like to look at it as this is a sort of stamp at that time and yeah. you know i could do this interview with you a year from now and it could be you know it's going to be some things that are still similar because you've lived that experience but also maybe your perspective is going to be a little different it's like i'm all black heart now <laughs> it's all just rotted <laughs> Well, it's it's interesting too to have you changing over time too, right? That like you as sort of the filter for for all of these conversations, like that's that's going to change from day to day or week to week or yeah. Um, as as we talked a little bit um before we got started, the fact that you know this is part of this sort of Philly batch of interviews that wasn't what I what I was doing initially. So having sort of those sensibilities and speaking with you know, artists and creative folks that are up there and I'm based in Baltimore, some of that kind of creeps in of, oh, this is what they're doing up there. Maybe this is a different context. And this sort of conversation that I may have, something you may say may pop up in a conversation like later, like, yeah, you know, so I was talking to A. Schechter, right? And then he said this, you know, and somehow it pops up in conversation, you become a reference point. Um, you know, that's what we all want to be, reference points. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> I think even early on, not having some of the words or some of the exposure to even like go beyond the sort of de facto, the defunct sort of. So tell me about your work. Yeah, I, I want to know about that, but also I want to know the thinking that goes into it. I want to know who the, the person is because, you know, that's that's a role in it. And I think when we don't, I think some of the best work, I guess, when we have parts of ourselves in it, you know, I think that that's important. So like if I'm doing this and none of my sensibilities in it, none of my humor is in it, you take me out of it. It's not really something I can put my, my stamp on. Yeah. It's me. And, and I, and I say that and to go back to something you were touching on earlier, I think of AI, right? So at a point I've, I've talked to folks, you know, there are podcasts that are AI podcasts. Now you tell them the type of voice, you give them a script and they'll do a podcast for you. It blows my mind. And I know some people um, who will put in like a guest bio and say, give me 10 interesting questions. And they'll do a podcast interview based off of that. And they'll lose their voice in that. I, just, I guess my question with that is like, why are we automating the fun thing? Like, let's automate <laughs> like, you know, the boring drudgery. Like, I, I wish there was an AI bot that could do my taxes. That would be so <laughs> sick. Right. But like for making art or doing a podcast, like those are the fun parts of life. Like why, why generate that automatically? I don't know, man. Because you, you, you lose the thing that makes you you. That's why it's again, yeah, I think it's yeah. something about the person being a part of it. It's like, sure, I could produce this well-produced podcast with these chat ai questions these chat gpt questions right <laughs> it, it's it's something that's that's missing in it it's something whether it's the sensibility you know whether it's just i'm gonna fumble through a word you know yeah so like too polished i like the imperfections i like sort of the oh that was a very stupid question i asked <laughs> but i'm gonna ask it in a different way i'm gonna double down on it you know yeah i, I think it's something important about keeping the the you in in sort of the work and we, whether it's your perspective whether it's the way that you go about things i think it's something important about keeping that in there and you know it could be as simple something as simple as 
yeah, let me read over my notes from this note. Oh, I did scratch that out. You know, that's yeah. it's it's still you. You know, so so I got I got two more two more real questions because we were just free jazz and I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> and I was like, um, so so this is the one. Um, can you share some of your 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 recent influences? Like, are there any specific works, visual um, visual art, literature, film, music? that you know you find important that maybe finds its way into how you approach your work it may not directly you know but maybe it does and maybe it's like look i'm going to have this visual from this movie and this sort of yeah uh, yeah uh yeah i can share a couple um i think the most direct one uh a couple a couple months ago i read um song of achilles by madeline miller uh, which was which is kind of a retelling of parts of the Iliad, uh, and then I because of that I was like, oh, I have not read the Iliad since I was forced to in high school. Um, I'm gonna uh, gonna reread it, uh, and I just I was really taken with it in a way that I didn't think that I I would be interested or like certainly was not in when I read it in high school. Um, and the thing that was really it's all about prophecy, right? It's all about these people who are told something is going to happen. Mm-hmm. That thing is going to happen. Turns out it does happen and they're still dealing with it. They still have to like, they still have to live a life that like when, when things are predetermined um, and it's, it's gotten me, I mean, I'm, I'm making a lot of work about that specifically about that idea right now. Uh, but it's got me a lot about like things like, what is out of our control and so many things are out of our control and we still have to live our lives. I'm thinking, I think a lot about climate change. Um, I deal with young people all the time, right? My students are all, you know, 19, 20 years old. They're, they're existentially terrified. I'm just like, what is, what is the world that I am going into? Um, and it's, it's frustrating, right? Like I can recycle all that I want and it's, I mean, it's, gonna do very little in the long run but i i still have to live we still have to live our lives and we still have to do things and i think about that with like things like being in relationships that we know are know are like not good for us but we still are and they're going to end right but we still are, are kind of going through this and so i think that specifically has been a really a really important thing of as i said earlier i think at my heart i'm an optimist but what do we do with like how what's the limit of that optimism and how can we how can we find meaning when things are so overwhelming and we know what the outcome is going to be? Yeah. Um, it's good. Yeah. Uh, the other book that I've been reading really recently, kind of going back to the uh, utopian ideas, it's this book uh, Hammer and Ho by Robin Kelly, um, which is about. Uh, in the 1930s and 40s in Alabama, black communists who are, um, and just thinking about like kind of ways of ways of organizing. And uh, I mean, I've been living in the South for the last six months and uh, we have such like, specific ideas of kind of red state and blue state. And, uh, and I think that that being a really expansive idea of like, what what are the ways that people are organizing themselves and what are the ways that that politics are happening that are that have a lot of politics of empathy and that are kind of utopian even if they are not like kind of bucking the trend of what we think of as as 
traditional organizing. I think that's been really, really important uh, for me of, of just kind of both kind of my own personal politics and then uh, just thinking about assumptions that I have around things um, yeah. and, and really challenging those. And then visually, I've been rewatching a lot of Tarkovsky movies. Um, he's so good. Like, man, all the sculptures I want to make are just like things that are in the background of those movies. <laughs> They're just like so beautiful. Um, and sometimes it's okay to just like want to make beautiful things, I think. Like sometimes I just like, oh, it's all right to just be like, that looks really good. I want to make a thing that looks good. And it's like pristine and clean and polished. And so those are those are the things that I think have been really kicking around in my brain a lot recently. Thank you. So this is the, this is the last real question and uh, that I have for the uh, for the this portion of the podcast. Uh, and, and the question goes like this: it goes a little something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, tell us, tell us about the, uh, and, and I'm going to modify it a little bit. Tell us about like, typically, like what does like, so let's say this week, you know, this mm-hmm. is recording this on a Monday. What does a typical Monday look like for you? How does it start off? What's, what's in it? I know, you know, maybe teaching, maybe working so on, but what, what, what is typically on a Monday looks like for you? Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a fairly early riser. Uh, so I usually get up around like six thirty or so and, and I'm a, but I'm also a putter. So I like listen to some music and drink some coffee and just kind of like, you know, slowly move around. Uh, this morning I had a staff meeting for, or a faculty meeting, uh, about some nonsense. And so I was in my sketchbook a lot, you know, just like doodling things and one started off taking very serious notes. And then it was like drawing like stick figure vampire rabbits or whatever. Um, <laughs> clearly doing the important work. Um, Mondays I don't have classes. And so it's actually a generally a studio day. Um, and because I've been doing this kind of like weird, I gave up my studio in Philadelphia uh, and I've been like in this kind of weird in between space. So I'm just working in the studio space. Um, so my workflow is, is kind of a mixture of doing my own thing and working on my own projects and then answering questions when students kind of walk into the room and then I'll talk with them for a little bit and then I'll, I'll put on very loud music, which is my don't, don't bug me type of thing. And it's, uh, it's either like, I listen to a lot of like really intense doom metal or uh top 40s pop like it's either like <laughs> panopticon and just like loud doom metal or it's uh you know fka twigs and just like bumping it dancing um but Great. those are that's kind of my like my my signal of just like like you have to like come up and at least ask me to pause in music before before i answer questions about you know when's this next assignment due it's all in the syllabus is generally my answer, but, um, uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I know there's people who are like, I'm, I'm a morning person or I'm a night person. I'm a solid, like 11, 11 AM to 7 PM. That's like my real, like ability to do anything type of hours. Um, so I'll usually, I'll usually do a combination of like, school school type of work and then then studio work uh until the evening and then um yeah it's also helpful for me to have like a couple of i I 
I'm not going to diagnose myself, but I'm very, it's sometimes very difficult for me to stick to a single task. So I often have a couple of projects that I can kind of bounce between, um, which is really useful for me because I can just kind of direct that wandering attention to multiple things and just kind of do a little circuit. Um, so yeah, today, today I was doing some sanding and bondoing and patching things. And then at the same time with like doing surface prep for, for other, for other projects. Uh, and then the evening I try to usually try to get some sort of exercise, go for a run or something. Um, and then I make dinner and then I generally draw for at least two or three hours before I go to bed. Thank you. That's, that's, I'm that's very, yeah, I was going to say, I'm a, a, a very, a, I live in a small town, rural South Carolina at the moment. So uh, it's, it's very studio focused for the last six months and will continue to be for until, until May. So, well, thank you. Um, cool. So I want to, I want to shift into the, the rapid fire portion of the pod. Sure. I, got, I got three of them for you. I got three questions for you. Great. Um, so going back to when you were a student, uh, mm-hmm. What was your favorite subject of school? Oh, um, probably English. I really like reading. Um, it's kind of the only, <laughs> yeah, the only my only saving grace as a student. So I'll, I'll say English, English literature. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where have you lived for the longest, like like period of time? Um, other than Wyoming, I lived in Wyoming till I was seventeen, and then Philadelphia. This is the other place that I've lived for long. I've bounced around a lot. I've lived in a lot of cities, but Philadelphia is the place I've lived the longest as an adult. That's that's why I wanted to ask that question. I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, so this is this is the last one because uh, I'm 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 always interested in, you know, what what people eat. So let's say, you know, super super long day. You know, you've been mm-hmm. up since since six. It's just like, all right, I got a couple hours. I got to figure out this dinner situation. What is the go to lazy dinner for you? Oh man. Uh, I think so. There's a, a big depending is that uh, I live in Philadelphia. I live with my partner, yeah. uh, and I'm I'm much more willing to like, cook a meal for uh, for the both of us. Um, here I'm like full on bacheloring, and it is uh, opening a can of of black beans and heating it up. Maybe like throwing some salsa in there, and then a big like pile of spinach that like sometimes i'll just like eat stand like sometimes i won't even like sit down I'll just like eat it over the stove and just like shove it into my mouth and just stare into the middle distance uh so um <laughs> so that's the that's the i've opened up a lot I've been very vulnerable of how like weird and sad my eating habits are but uh <laughs> I'm cooking for my partner. I'll often make like a, a stir fry. Um, I'll you know do some uh, tofu and like tofu and broccoli and one other one other vegetable and then over rice. I think is like a, a good like easy night meal. I like that. So. <laughs> so that's pretty much all I have. Uh, nice little mixture here. Real life, yeah. smart talk, all of that good stuff. Um, but I want to thank you for coming on to the pod, spending some time with me. And um, I want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners where they can check you out, your work, social media, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. 
I was going to say, I, I do have a, a solo show opening up in Philadelphia in uh, June, I think June 8th, but I'm not 100% sure, uh, at Peep Projects, it's in the Korean Arts Building. Um, so if you're in Philadelphia in early June, please, please, please come to that. It'll be up through the end of July. Um, otherwise, uh, the only social media I'm really on is Instagram, and that's J.A. Schechter. Uh, so hit me up there. And then, yeah, uh, there's like, there's links and stuff on my Instagram. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Alex Schechter for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. Oh,